go ahead and open up our Bibles to Matthew 18. And if you stick your finger there in Matthew 18 and then flip back a little bit and go to Luke 10, we're going to read from both of those. We're also going to read, a, we'll skip around a little bit in Matthew. But go to Matthew 18 and, and I'll also read from Luke 10 this morning. Very simple message that God has given me to give to you, the church, this morning. Kind of set the tone for what God has given me to speak to you. I want to introduce you to somebody. Go ahead and put that picture up. This is, this is Holly Graft. Holly I.E. Holly with an I.E. She's nine years old, and she's in third grade, and she goes to church here. And on January 31st, Holly's mom, Melanie, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And... So their family has been dealing with that for a while now. A few days after the diagnosis um, and breaking the news to the Graft kids, this is what Melanie received from her daughter. This is a card that she found on their breakfast bar. It said, you are better now. And I love you so much. Thank you for helping me. You are better now, and I love you so much. And go ahead. And this, this was the other part of the card that Holly with an IE left for her mom. Yeah. Oh, the list that she found. Yeah. It said, here's what it says. Make salad. Do not fight with Anson and Nolan. Listen, or listen, to dad. Remember, she's nine years old. Sing song to mom. Bring the pillow I made to mom. Trust in God a lot. Aww. Pray. I love that one. Make a card for mom. Feed the dogs. Love my mom. Make love a big deal. <laughs> oh. Do my homework. Go shopping with dad. Read the Bible a lot. Isn't that awesome? This is the word. This helps to illustrate and set the stage for the word that, that God has given me to speak to you this morning, church. Um, Marietta and I had a chance to speak with Melanie via telephone yesterday. Um, she knows that I'm reading all this and sharing this with you, the body, so we're not uncovering anything, but we had a chance to speak with Melanie um, yesterday morning. Melanie received a not good report. She's undergone surgery, and she received a not so good report on um, Friday, but we are going to believe the report of the Lord in regards to Melanie. Amen? So if you don't mind, before we even get started, can we just bow our heads and lift up that family in prayer? Well, Father, we just thank you for our, um, the entire Graft family, Father. We thank you, Father, that you are uh, touching Melanie's body, Father, and everything that's in there that is not pleasing to you. 
that is not created the way that you created to be, Lord, that you're miraculously removing all of that, Father. We thank you, Father, for, um, for the other members of the Graft family, Father, um, Mike and Anson and Nolan and little Holly, Father. And uh, we ask that you would pour out your peace upon the entire family as they go through this, Father God, that they would know that you are indeed in control in every way, Father, that you would just encourage them, Lord, that you would help them overcome any bad report that they might receive, and that they would believe on you, Father, for all that they need, all the healing, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, amen, amen. So, so this is, really did set the stage for what God gave me in these times. So let's look at, in our Bibles at Matthew 18, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him, the child, in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Man, what a... This is not where I'm going with the sermon today, but I just wanted to kind of focus a little bit as we go through these passages on that last statement that Jesus uh, gave us there. Church, the culture is out to harm our kids. It's out to harm our kids. It's out to lie to, the, to our kids. And there's a reason for that, and... We'll actually get into that as I get a little bit deeper into the, the word that God has given me to speak. But on March 6th, even Disney released a, a, an animated feature film that, that, features, that features their first openly gay character as a lead. You know, there's no reason for kids to have to deal with any of that. There's no reason for kids to have to deal with any of that. There's no reason for kids to have to be exposed to things that are going on in our public libraries today. I would just encourage all of us as a church to make sure that we're protecting the innocence of our children. They don't need to know some of these things. They don't need to know everything. And they deserve to be protected, and they deserve to have their innocence and their purity. And so if you're... I would just encourage you to vote with your dollars. Put that stuff away. Turn that stuff off. It's enough. Really. Okay. Enough of that. Not my sermon. But it's a word. So. Let's turn over to Matthew 19. We're going to read verses 13 and 15. 13 through 15, I should say. Then, the, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. 
The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belong the kingdom of heaven. And he, Jesus, laid his hands on them and went away. Then we'll skip over to Matthew 21. We'll read verses 15 and 16. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children, the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. That is, the chief priests and the scribes were indignant. And they said to Jesus, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? And then he quotes Psalm 8, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. And then finally, we'll look at uh, Luke 10. We'll go over there and read verses 17 through 21. Jesus is sent, in this passage, Jesus has sent the 72 out. And they're returning to him. And listen to what he says. The 72 returned with joy after going out and ministering saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall from, like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Jesus rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Trying to catch that. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. God has given me three points to give you this morning, church. Three really simple points. First point, if you're taking notes, is there is truly a Holy Spirit-breathed affinity between children or those that have a childlike heart or a humble heart and Jesus. There's a connection. There's, there wants to be a connection between children or our childlike heart and Jesus. It's obvious as we read these scriptures that everywhere that Jesus went, everywhere that Jesus went, there were children that were around. I mean, otherwise he couldn't just pluck them right out of the crowd and bring them to him. And they wanted to get to him. The children were around Jesus, and children, according to the passage that we just read in Matthew 21, they recognized Jesus for who he was. In that passage in Matthew 21, it was the children that were crying, Hosanna! Hosanna! It was the children, not the chief priests, not the scribes, but the children were in the temple, and they were crying out and recognizing Jesus as Jesus. So why does that childlike heart have such an affinity for Jesus? Why is that? Why, is the, why does a child have such 
an affinity for Jesus? Well, I think there's at least two reasons, and certainly the two reasons that God has given me are applicable here in these passages. But the first reason is this. There is a purity of heart that connects with the purity and the power of, of Jesus. And what I mean by this is that when we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, when we stand in his presence, I believe that that's going to be the first time that any of us truly experience perfect love, perfect mercy, perfect justice. It's going to be an experience like we could never really understand here. You know, the world, our, our parents try to do right by us as kids. They try to love us, and they do a good job. Thank you, Lord. Most of most parents do. Some of them do a little bit okay job in terms of delivering justice, <laughs> you know. But they try. They try, right? The government certainly tries to do the best that it can in terms of delivering justice, but none of that is going to compare with the love and the mercy and the justice that we experience when we stand in the presence of Jesus. And I think it's going to be one of those experiences where we just stand before him and go, I never knew. I never knew it could be like this. I believe that that's what we're going to say. Wow. Pure hearts seek purity and they find it in Jesus. Yeah. In addition, I think that there's another factor here that is at play, and I know that God has created in each and every one of us um, a, a place that can only be filled by his spirit. I believe that that's the case. Only his spirit. Now, the world would seek to taint that place, and sometimes we allow that place that needs to be dwelt in by the Holy Spirit, we allow it to be tainted ourselves. Sometimes it's inadvertent. Sometimes we don't realize that it's getting tainted. But here's what I'm talking about. Um, we are dealing with things today that we have never seen before. There's worries that are creeping in. Sometimes those worries can get into that place that needs to be filled up by God's Holy Spirit. Right? Marietta gave me a word just before I stepped up here on the platform, and I think it's applicable right here. I think that there are a lot of men in this place, or a lot of men that will hear this message, and as a man, you have been created to fix things. Believe it. As a man, you've been created to fix things. And you're seeing things that are taking place in the world right now. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there's no fixing it. There's no fixing it. But that doesn't diminish the desire that you have to fix it. And so it's easy for us to allow that place in our hearts to creep over into condemnation because you say, I haven't done what I was supposed to do. It's not the case. Let me illustrate it by saying this. Um, a few years ago, Marietta and I moved to Denver. I started a new job in Denver. And um, 
just a few days, maybe a, couple, maybe a week after we got there, we were going out somewhere, and I wish that I could tell you that we were going, I think we were going to a restaurant, I'm, I may be wrong, but, but we were going somewhere, and there were just a few flat steps up to this place that we were going to go to. And um, I wish I could tell you that I slipped on the ice because it was Denver, but I can't tell you that. It was just, I was just clumsy, and I hit a step wrong, and I fell down. And I put my arm out, and I jumped up, you know, and I shook myself off and go, I'm okay. Marietta goes, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So embarrassing. I'm good. I'm good. No worries here. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that I wasn't good. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that I said, well, you know, I don't know. We got in the car. We started driving away from the place. And as we drove away, Marietta's driving at this point because I'm not good. And I, and I said, you know what, honey? I don't think we can go to dinner. Matter of fact, I'm feeling a little bit nauseated, and she drove me straight away to the emergency room, and I broke my—I had broken my elbow, you know. So, anyway, that physical manifestation, this this story that I'm telling you about, sometimes manifests itself in the spiritual as well, especially as we get older. We walk away from being dependent on our good Father, our good God. And we're trying to fix things, you know, yeah, I'm okay spiritually. I'm okay spiritually. But you might not be. And it's okay to go to, before the Father and say, Lord, this is something that you're going to have to fix. Approach him in that childlike manner in, in terms of things spiritual and let him fix those things that need to be fixed. Amen? Here's how um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a lot of you guys would recognize that name. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, an evangelist, theologian that lived during the time of the rise of the Nazis in Germany. And um, he was ultimately killed by the Nazis. He was hanged. He, he took steps to protect the Jews against what the Nazis were trying to do. He spoke out against the Nazi regime. Ultimately, 21 days before Adolf Hitler killed himself in his bunker, the uh, Nazis hanged uh, Bonhoeffer because they thought he was involved in the assassination attempt uh, on Adolf Hitler himself. But this is how Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it in regards to an approach to God. Only the humble believe in him and rejoice that God is so free and so marvelous that he does, not, that he does wonders where people despair. He does wonders where people despair. That he takes what is little and lowly and makes it marvelous. And that is the wonder of all wonders, that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. Lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. In the incarnation, that is the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the whole world, the whole human race recovers the dignity of the image of God. Thereafter, any attack, even on the least of men, is an attack on Christ, 
who took on the form of man and in his own person restored the image of God in all. I think one of the reasons that children are, have such an affinity for things of God is because they recognize that they are all, they're in a position to recognize that they're being molded, they're being crafted, they are growing into another image. And we can take a page out of their book in regards to this. And remember that we're going somewhere with this. God is doing something. He's moving us along. And where is he moving us? Into his image. It's exactly what the Bible says. Here's the second point if you're taking notes. A childlike approach to our father can result in great kingdom revelation and great kingdom power. We talked about this in Matthew 18. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Luke 10, after Jesus receives the 72 back from their mission trip, In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm like a lot of you, brothers and sisters. I really love to get into the Word. I really do. I like to dig deep sometimes and uncover what the Greek meaning of the New Testament is and and I want to uncover maybe what the Hebrew says in the Old Testament. And I want to understand the context and see how it compares to other things. But there is a time where we can go ahead and have a childlike approach to this, the Word of God. A number of years ago, I was on a business trip, and I, had tra I traveled with a device at the time that was before really smartphones, but... Um, I had a device that had the Bible on it, and on my device, not only did I have the Bible, but I also had a series of commentaries on, for the Bible on my device. And I, on this particular trip, I left my device at home, so I only had the Word. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do here, you know? I don't have my commentaries. I can't really study. And I was on an airplane, and... I just stopped for a minute and I said, you know, Father, would your spirit just come and reveal what needs to be revealed to me as I, re as I read this, please? And I can't tell you the level of revelation that I received as I read that word, much greater, at least for me, than the commentaries. I'm not diminishing the importance of commentaries in your study. But what I am saying is that if you will just offer up a simple prayer to the Lord God Almighty before you get into his word and just ask him, Lord, speak to me through your word today. He will deliver something that is just exactly perfect for you. He's so faithful to answer that prayer. He wants to reveal himself to you as his child. In a very similar manner, I've found that sometimes, you know, we can, we can pray mighty prayers and we, and we should pray all the time but I think by implication, if we pray all the time, then many of those prayers that we pray should be simple prayers. We're having us a dialogue with God. And why do we do that? 
Well, one of the reasons that we do that, one of the reasons that we pray that way is that if we will just involve God in the things that concern us on a running basis, we're talking to God all the time. We're talking to him, you know, God, this is, this is an issue for me. This is, you know, I got a problem over here. Father, I know that this is not how you would want me to feel about this. And if you will involve him all the time, he will continuously answer those prayers. And even more importantly, here's the kicker. One of the reasons that that's important is that if we will involve God all the time in every situation, every circumstance, then what happens is the glory becomes God's. You understand what I just said there? The glory becomes God because what we can do after the fact is we circle around as God answers our prayers and we say, yeah, I prayed about it. Glory to God. If you don't pray about it, who gets the glory? Huh? But if I pray in advance, I'm going to give him the glory because he's, he's the one that's going to answer The other thing, especially, that we need to keep in mind today, brothers and sisters, and this is very important because some of you guys have been out there in the stores. You guys have experienced in the last few days what a picture of limited resources looks like. Right? You go out to the stores, there's nothing out there. You see the looks on people's faces. Wow. Nothing on the shelf. We learn the concept of limited resources early on, but for children, it's not like that because children are, by definition, they're dependent. They don't even understand what limited resources looks like. Your father in heaven does not have limited resources. He does not have limited resources. Get that out of your mind. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. If Pastor Allen asks for something, and my brother John Stacy asked for something. And Teresa, you asked for something. And Diane, you asked for something. It's not that he is going to take what he has and distribute it amongst all of you. That's not God. Who is God? He is the creator of the universe. He created, he spoke into existence all things that we see everything that we experience. He is unlimited in terms of his resource, and so he can give you the whole, and he can give you the whole, and he can give you the whole, and he can give you the whole. You understand that? This is our God, and this is why it's important for us to get back to a childlike understanding of who God is. He is God. He is God. He doesn't have limited resources. The third point, if you're taking notes, is this. Our good God, he's such a good God. Thank you, Lord. Our good God has already provided the means to restore you to that childlike relationship with him. Luke 11, verse 13, you don't have to turn there. Thank you, Kaylee. This passage actually comes right on the heels of the Lord's prayer, and then the Lord uh, 
the Lord Jesus um, talking to the disciples about praying in faith. And Jesus says this, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God wants, God is a good father. God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. And I think that as he gives us the Holy Spirit, that's according to some of what we just read earlier, this is our way to get back to a childlike approach to him. Let me tell you how it works. I'm going to give you, I don't, I'm going to tell this story very quickly. I wish I could explain how, how tough it was for me, but in the mid-1990s, you guys know, a lot of you know that I was raised up in a very fundamentalist, foundational religion, religion, religion. And uh, they didn't, that religion didn't believe in the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit at all. So in the mid-90s, Marietta and I were in Salt Lake City, and Marietta was on the board of the Women's Aglow, and they had a lady that came in at that Women's Aglow meeting, and um, she, you know, we're kind of operating without a real understanding of, of the Holy Spirit. Well, this lady was anointed, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we went to a meeting at the, in the evening, and our daughters were at the meeting, and Marietta's at the meeting, and she, this old lady, she asked, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And we're like, yeah, we do. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be awesome. And we need the Holy Spirit. We're in Salt Lake City, tough place. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know. So we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay, so this lady, Edie, lays her hands on each of us in turn. She lays her hands on our daughters. They start speaking in tongues. She lays her hands on Marietta, and Marietta speaks in tongues. She lays her hands on me, and I get one syllable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, she says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And I get one syllable. Oh, yeah. Now, this is in the mid-90s. True story. So, but I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I know that I'm filled. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But for years and years and three different locations, Marietta and I moved from place to place and participated in churches, I had my one syllable. You know, when it was time to pray in the Spirit, I was, one, one syllable would come out. So hard, but what it did was it kind of trained me up and gave me that, but I knew that I was filled. It gave me that childlike heart is what it did. And God is so good, he is so good that after we moved to Granbury, um, one night, 
one night, he woke me up from deep sleep. We were living on the other side of the lake. And I have, he has given me a prayer language. The likes I, I couldn't describe to you. And Marietta wakes up and I'm, I am going for it. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing like these, these beautiful colored notes coming out of my mouth and going directly to heaven. And I'm going for it. And Marietta goes, what's going on? I said, go back to sleep. I'm loving this. So I fall back asleep, and a little bit later, I get another language. Another one, yeah. And I'm like, and Marietta wakes up again, and she goes, what's going on? I don't know, but it's awesome. I am, I am, I am talking directly to the Most High God with this language. Wow, you are awesome. Now, here's the point. God did that that way for me because that's the only way that I could receive it. I had been raised up with, in such a manner that unless he gave me that gift in that way, I would have thought it was me. You see this? But that's not God. God gave it to me in a way that I could receive it. He's such a good God. He's a good father. So we want to walk in restoration with it, like a child in concert with God. It's really important to do that now, church. Really important to do that now. Now there's other evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit that we read about in, in the book of Acts. Those evidences include prophecy. Prophecy can be an evidence. Boldness. Who needs boldness today? Miracles. Yeah, we could use some miracles. The world could use some miracles. Faith. Faith. What a wonderful evidence of being filled with the Spirit. And joy. Joy is an evidence of being filled with God's Spirit. And then there's one other that occurs in Ephesians 5, and that is be filled with the Spirit and lift up psalms and spiritual songs to the Lord. So that's another evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we sing spiritual songs to God. So, brothers and sisters, I'm... I'm telling you all of this to say this. Now is the time, and this is the season, that if you feel like you need a refilling of the Holy Spirit, or if some of what I've told you this morning is new to you and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, God is good, and he wants to restore that childlike heart by filling you up with the Holy Spirit. 